0: This is near-death TV I'm your host Laura Ketchledge I'm also an author in 1979 I became a near-death experiencer I chose to explain the truth I learned about the afterlife reincarnation and near-death experience through my fictional book series the near-death saga while dead I was shown all human beings are shrouded in ignorance by design, in order to learn valuable lessons in each incarnation. When you die, the artificial facade falls away and we awaken from the dream into reality. For more information, you can find us at neardeathtv.com. Please join us as we explore the after effects of near death experience.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Near-Death TV. I'm your host, Laura Ketchledge. I'm also a near-death experiencer. Today, we have on a special guest. His name is David Ditchfield. He is the author of the international best-selling book, Shine On. Hi, David, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Laura, thanks for having me on.
0: Fantastic. Um, I must say, you're also um, an artist and a composer, but we're going to get to that later. Uh, David, your life took a pivotal turn in 2006 with a horrific accident. Can you tell me about the day you died?
1: Sure, I can do. Um, Well, it all started uh, at a rail station. Um, I was seeing a friend off who'd come to stay for a couple of days. And, um, she was returning to London for an appointment and, uh, I helped her onto the carriage with her bags and, um, you know, and gave her a hug and a kiss goodbye. And as I did, we heard the emergency buzzers going for the doors to close. So I stepped back, but as I did, um, the bottom part of my coat got trapped in the, in the, the closing doors and I couldn't pull it free. I really tugged at it, you know, and, So i looked around for a guard on the platform and i couldn't see anyone there was no one there you know so i just yelled at the top of my voice for help you know and uh, nothing happened and the engine started to rev up and i looked into the eyes of anna my friend who i was seeing off and i just saw the look of terror sheer terror you know and so i thought at that point you know i'm gonna die i don't think i'm gonna survive this um because of that coat wasn't coming free so the engines revved up and, and the train started to pull out of the station and uh, as it did um i lost my footing eventually and then i was it it went out of the station at a terrific speed it's unbelievable you don't realize when you're sat inside you just go straight on your phone or whatever and you don't okay. think about it but on the air, when you're attached to the outside believe you me it's very fast and um I got eventually i got pulled between the space of the platform edge and then down underneath and i got went down and got pulled under the train basically and i remember that moment very well i I remember hearing this tremendous rip and it it looked like the the sides of the carriage doors disappeared into the sky and then i just got pulled down into the gates of hell you know it was like a a horrible violent dark machine that i was tossed around in relentlessly like a a rag doll and uh yeah it was uh i was fully conscious throughout the whole thing and uh and i and i suddenly felt like it was me against this this monster it was no longer a train it was like this big sort of mechanical beast and i thought i went straight into survival mode and i thought you're not going to beat me you're not going to take me and i but i just felt like i was just flesh and bones and uh then suddenly i was thrown uh around relentlessly and then i hit the ground and i was down laid between the tracks uh, as the train was still continuing on. It went on forever, you know, and uh, I, it was interesting because I just thought 007, what would he do now? James Bond, you know, hold your head down because the, some of the un- undercarriage could just come and whack me right over the back. So that's, that's exactly what I did. And uh, I just stayed there with my face in the oily gravel. And then the train suddenly moved on and went down the tracks and off it went into the distance.
0: Oh my God. So you know, the, everyone's worst nightmare happened to you. You were yeah. caught in this train. You were went underneath the train and were crushed. I just can't imagine that uh, you were conscious, which is the worst thing, but you were calm and trying to survive. I think that's a very brave thing. Most people would have panicked. Um,
1: yeah, when I mean, did you die? Well, you see, basically I, I, I was, I didn't die. Um, uh, I was I was fully alive, and I just laid on that track, and I just couldn't believe I was alive. Um, something a greater force than me and and that train and anything saved me that day. And uh, you know, the rail police, the national rail police in the UK, did a full inquiry. It took them a year, and right at the end of their studies, they said, "Do you know what? We're shaking our heads here. You should be dead. You should not have survived that. Of I don't know how you did." And uh but anyway, they got me off that off that track somewhere. The, the, the emergency guys arrived really quick, and so I was losing a lot of blood. I was losing copious amounts. My left arm had been severed, and uh, oh. yeah, and so yeah, that so that was pretty bad. It's one of the first things I saw, and uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it was just uh, uh, um I was in an awful lot of pain.
0: Painful day, David. I really hate to take you back to that painful day, but the audience wants to know. So know. you got whisked to a hospital.
1: Yes, that's a right.
0: Tremendous, tremendous amount of blood. What happened then?
1: Then they got me, you know, they, yeah, they got me in the ambulance and the guy, the doctor there said, look, there's a hospital close by, but there's the one that's going to save you is, a, is quite a distance. Can you hold on? I said, yeah, let's go. So we held on and I just went for it. You know, I just heard the sirens going and we took off like a rocket and we arrived in that hospital and there was a whole team of medics all waiting for me in the emergency department. And, uh, there was a lot of frantic voices going on. You know, there was a lot of fear. I could hear it in their voices. So I was getting scared as well. Cause I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, pro- I'm not going to pull through this. Am I? And, uh, you know there was just words of science that you're just going i need an e45 now no give me a pzr you know I was going, well, what's one of those you know no one could uh, reassure me what was happening either they were just too busy trying to save me um and my family arrived at the hospital uh pretty much soon after so i remember them coming in you know and, and the surgeon said look your family are here can can you see them or do, would you want to see them i said yeah send them through and my mother came over in complete tears you know she was just crying and and stuff, and uh yeah, I was apologising, which is crazy because I'd always felt like the one that brought all these dramas to the family, and that's exactly what I said. I said, "Mom, I'm sorry. It's always me bringing all this trouble to the family," you know. And she was going, "No, stop!" She put a hand over my mouth. She said, "It's not your fault," which, of course, it wasn't my fault, you know. So, but there you go. So, yeah,
0: in this world of mayhem, accidents happen. Unfortunately, I'm so sorry this happened to you. So. At what point in time did you have your near-death experience?
1: It was pretty much at that point when my family were around me and also Anna, the friend I was seeing off, had arrived as well. And so I just wanted to check she was okay and she was And then they were getting ready to take me straight into surgery. And then I suddenly went from all that franticness and the, and the, and the agony that I was in and the fear that I was in to a really calm and beautiful place. So I left the hospital and suddenly I was in what appeared initially like a small, darkened room, um, but not, not like a foreboding darkness, like a really comforting darkness. And I looked all around me just to get my bearings to see what, where I was. And I just, I figured straight away, I figured this I'm dead. I didn't make it, uh, you know. I didn't resist it I didn't I didn't say I didn't try to say no I'm not ready to go yet I didn't want to die but I was <laughs> happier to be in this moment of peace after what I'd just been through and I just allowed things to unfold and what did unfold so I looked around and and I, first of all I saw these pulsating colors and they just kind of made me feel calm they were like orbs of light of all greens and yellows and reds and oranges so I, I just laid my head back and relaxed and One
0: minute, David, you're in a crisis mode in the hospital, your family surrounding you, you know, you're on the verge of death, going in for surgery, and all that, all that angst and all that uh, shock, and then the next place you find yourself in calm, and you know what I'm very impressed is that you're able to articulate it, because it's very hard to put into words the non-physical, but this is, it must have been a relief,
1: exactly that's it it was a relief that's because you know just the absolute you know the human mind and body should not be put through something like that you know being the drama of of watching because say for example if i had been in a car crash it would have been instant and and i would i would not have seen it coming whereas with this i could see the whole thing unfolding so it was terrifying you know and then going being pulled under a train and, and being pulled under the wheels it was just too much for me to bear and to take on so to be in this space was just it was brilliant you know I just, all, everything all my fears are gone and my anxieties had left me
0: so you're there you're trying to adjust to this new reality what happened after that
1: um well i was trying to get my bearings again and i, I realized that i was now laid on what appeared to be like a a huge slate rock it was like a sort of medieval altar if you like and but it felt really comfortable to lie on and uh and i looked to check my injuries to see how everything was looking Um, and everything was in shape i was no longer clothed but i was covered in this blue sort of satin sheet uh, which kept kept me feeling very comforted and, and and protected but I was amazed that my, my left arm, anyway, that was intact. And there wasn't even a scratch or a bruise on my body. Everything was just calm and fixed, you know, and healthy.
0: You were still you.
1: It was still me, yeah. It was very much still me. Uh, it was a different me because the first thing I noticed was... Uh, I, that I'd left all those feelings of guilt behind that I carried throughout my whole life. Like I talked about right, right up until the point where I'm apologizing to my mother, you know, which is absolutely crazy, but that's how I felt, you know, and, and all that went. And, uh, I was literally in the moment, if you, if you like, you know, all the past didn't matter anymore. All, and all my anxieties about the future didn't matter anymore.
0: Well, what was the next step on this miraculous journey, David?
1: The next step was that uh, I, I laid my head back and uh just uh, and as I did, I looked at there were three grids of white light that were kind of closing in on me slowly. And those grids of white light were just so it was like a, a really intense whiteness, and I couldn't take my gaze away, even though it was too bright that would normally, but I wouldn't be able to look, you know, in the, on the Earth plane as we call it, you know, I wouldn't be able to look into that brightness, but I couldn't take my eyes off it because it was like it felt like a really comforting healing light and um so i lay there and uh, bathed in this kind of light really and and i felt the presence then of somebody near me and so i kind of lifted my head and there was um I, i was being greeted by uh, an androgynous being if you like uh, just wearing a very simple contemporary black t-shirt, you know Nothing too ethereal just a really simple black t-shirt with this beautiful white blonde hair and this skin that was just glowing from within and This person was just smiling at me just looking at me in a very protective way and I felt protected and I felt safe with this person but I thought I know you from somewhere. Who are you? I know you. And I felt like I'd known this person all my life and, and beyond, but I didn't know who it was. So And so he or she just kept grinning back at me as I asked that question. You know.
0: so there was a connection, but you yeah. couldn't place it.
1: That's right. Yeah. It, wow. there, was a, there was a connection, but I couldn't place it. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, everybody's hanging, you got us hanging on the edge here, David. What happened after that?
1: <laughs> well, what happened after that was, I laid my, my body back and my head back because I was just so relaxed. And uh, and then I closed my eyes. And as I was closing my eyes, I suddenly felt the presence of, of someone else. And there were, there was two more people that arrived now in female form uh-huh. inside of me. And uh, two very beautiful women. And uh, uh, the one to my right was just wearing, again, a very simple brown dress and uh, very contemporary with uh, long brown hair. Uh, very quite european looking and then the, the girl to my left was more uh, asian indian or american indian in appearance wearing a like a very traditional sort of dress and they had their hands just hovering over my body just literally hovering over and it was as if they were they were healing me healing my soul you know it was just like and healing the, the trauma that my body has just been through
0: so he they were to, they were assisting you, they were helping. Did you have a, a connection? Did you feel like you knew them or did you feel that these were just uh, strangers?
1: Yeah, I didn't have that connection with them. No, I didn't feel like I knew these two uh, like I did with the first person. I felt okay. like the first person was like, like the, the keeper to my soul, if you like, you know, whereas I felt the other two were there. I felt they were the other two were preparing me for something and I didn't know what and that's how it felt. But they, I, I also felt they were healing me as well, as I say.
0: But you, you know, you had two sets, one in physical reality, a set of uh health care workers trying to save your life, and then you had your own cheerleading squad on the other side. Well oh, yes. my gosh, uh, <laughs> go on.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's very well put. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that, but I did, because you know, I still maintain that that the science elements of in, in all this saved my life just as much as, as the, the spiritual realm did as well so yeah so that I, I was getting they were working on me as well but um yeah so it was in fact the energy that was coming from their hands was just so powerful it was just like it felt like an energy of love it felt like this pure essence of love you know all the different types of love you experience in your life whether it's through your your lover your parents your family your your pet dog you know all those different elements were all condensed and coming through their hands and going right through the whole of me
0: did you the background colors change at all are you still were or did you still feel like you were stationary i
1: well yeah i felt like i was stationary yeah i I, most certainly i felt like i was just like really lying down and just you know you know if you go for a massage or something like that and and you go straight into the moment you just let, let it all go and you go you let yourself into the hands of the masseur or whatever it was very much like that i didn't you know i wasn't in any worries about where I was but I did actually then realize that I I, I wasn't in a small darkened room at all I realized at this point that I was actually I looked around a bit more and there were stars I was in the universe itself and uh the next thing I decided to do was I thought about my family down in the hospital I thought that they were pretty torn up as it was about what had just happened clearly you know as they would be It's a major shock to them as much as me, and so and I thought, oh my goodness, they're going to be really uh, pulled apart because I've obviously died and moved on. So I decided to look over the edge of this huge rock to see if I could see them, and I looked down and I couldn't see them at all. But what I did see was this most awesome sight. It was like this beautiful waterfall, but it was a waterfall of stars, and all it it was they were all cascading over the edge as if they're like droplets of water, but they were sparkling stars. And it was like the size of a niagara or, or bigger you know it was really really an awesome uh, sight to take in and I was just going wow you know and uh, there were like shooting stars just dropping through the middle of it and I looked I looked down into the right into the depth of this waterfall and as I did I could see other another galaxy and then I thought this the, as i focused my view and kept looking i could see further galaxies and, and beyond and into infinity and into color beautiful more beautiful colors so yeah so that was really i was just kind of going wow this is incredible you know uh, it, and i i was just so filled with joy about the whole experience that was unfolding and and i and i was also really excited about the fact that i was in part of the universe and i was there in it you know um
0: and you were viewing this spectacular sight um
1: what next yeah well what next was um this was probably the most important part for me was uh mm-hmm. um i i turned back over and, and i and i took some more healing on and and uh, then i suddenly realized that the energy that i was feeling is this energy that of love um was almost like my body was almost like vibrating it was like a sort of every single single molecule of my my body was just kind of like wow shaking but in a really very calm way and i just thought what is going on and so i lifted my head and then just behind the first being of light i talked of that was greeting me was this huge tunnel of, of of light that was coming towards me and again it was this beautiful white light but this but it was a, a, a huge amount of it uh because it was a tunnel and this tunnel was surrounded by all these very dramatic flames that were just slowly circulating around it and uh it was quite sort of uh frightening to look at but i felt no fear whatsoever you know because no none of those emotions uh, existed anymore i just felt awe-inspired and i was just going wow what is this you know and um I just knew straight away what it was. It was, and it was, I was looking at the source of all creation, you know, this was God. This is, this is not, uh, you know, the, the image of God that we're all normally praying to, you know, in Western civilizations or other civilizations which normally are in human form. You know, it's this tunnel of white light which is closing in on me and the energy coming off. It was immense.
0: That would you uh, call that bliss
1: i would definitely call it bliss yeah <laughs> it was a, it was a it was a it was a very as a, a huge turning point for me because not only was i really feeling this energy that as i say that was making me kind of almost shake inside but i felt an absolute uh it was a moment of like of, of my faith was suddenly turned on you know because it hadn't been before and and it all made sense all at once
0: you think that a lot of people in the world are just turned off by some of the uh organized religion that uh just sort of preach command and then they do the wrong thing themselves you know i think a lot of you know kind of slip away from uh spirituality because of that do you agree
1: yes i do agree with that you know i mean i mean it's it's a hard one for me because i know that an awful lot of people do go to church and they do pray and I know then they're good people they a lot of them are the majority are, of them are but there's certain elements that to me jar with me now that because I kind of I, once or twice I've been into different churches you know to just for some various reasons and I thought this is all wrong. I mean, we're, we're all stood here. And we're all being told that we're sinners, and we're all being told to ask for forgiveness. And, and I'm thinking, well, why are we doing that? That's not what it's all about. It's all the experience I had, and from from God that I felt was, no, you're fine. You, you, you're part of the universe, and you're loved. You know, <laughs> so
0: wrapped in a blanket of love, experiencing bliss. That is such a blessing. And I, I agree with you that. Um, you know your spirituality of course was opened up mm. you know that's just wonderful did you see did you feel like you were floating uh when you went into that uh area of white light like almost like a soft cloudy texture
1: um it's interesting because it's with a native experience i i figure that it's, it's I try my best to, to, to describe it in words and also in, in, in other things like uh, that we can talk about later, but, you know, just to try and get the message across and and it's hard because the whole experience is to me, it's ultra real. You know, it's, it's not like a, a dream or an hallucination and, and, and it's very much there, but it's, it, it, it is a different plane. It's a different feeling. The, uh, and so I can only describe it in, in certain words. I suppose but um, i don't think
0: the word's spectacular enough in the english language um yeah did you have a life review during your near-death experience
1: i didn't have a life review actually no i, I didn't do um I, I i felt really that that what i was being taught was that, uh to give myself love you know that I, the only person i'd been really beating up throughout whole life and being uh, and bullying or whatever was me and, and so I'm not trying to say that I'm some saint at all. I'm not saying that, you know, that, you know I'm sure there's plenty of people in my past might say, hang on a sec. <laughs> but ultimately, I felt that my life review was being given this sense of self-love for the first time in my life and self-worth and being told to let go of all this guilt and shame that I've been carrying with me um, throughout my whole life. So, I don't mean
0: to digress, but you know, you've told me that you have dyslexia. I have dyslexia myself, very bad, odd, sorry, and visual. Um, I think that growing up dyslexic, did you feel this tremendous pressure to succeed when you couldn't in school?
1: Absolutely. was the basis
0: yeah. of your frustration within yourself.
1: Totally. You know, uh, when I was at school, you know, they they didn't diagnose me at first of, of having dyslexia, and they just called me lazy, and they just said that I didn't bother, I didn't want to be, and, and I felt, no, that's not true. I want to learn. You know, I'm not lazy, and all these different things stick when you're a kid, and so you do try to overcompensate by that because you feel like you're a, you're a bright person inside, and, and you're not, you don't want to carry that label. And so I went throughout the whole of my life, struggling to find work because you know if you haven't got your i left school without any qualifications and so when you've got no qualifications it's pretty tough to fit into into civilization. so and um, so yeah so i was oh a lot of the time i was overcompensating to try and fit in
0: let, let me explain something and i hope that you'll agree with me when you have dyslexia it's a neurological glitch that you can hear auditory and you can have visual, and you can have a both, but it's yeah. like having a badly broken leg, and you go to school on this badly broken leg, and the teachers, and the other students, and the parents say, well, you've got to run that mile up the hill every day in school, but you because yeah. you got this broken leg, but nobody sees the broken leg, and then yeah. they yell at you, when you can't do it, so that is kind of how I explain dyslexia, uh, because it is a neurological glitch, where five areas of your brain are taking in information when the normal person quote learning able person has it got into two areas of the brain. So there's like a crossover glitch, but I think it is so soul wounding for the kid. It was for me, I got over it, but you know, it was, and I think it became kind of your identity and you're a guy and you know, you are raised to fix things and be not emotional, but did this fix the uh, feeling? Did it take it, away this near-death experience of the trauma of dyslexia?
1: It did. Do it totally took it away. You know, because like I said, one, once I was there and I was in the moment, in the present, uh, <laughs> I realized how how much I, that I was okay. I thought, I'm okay. I'm not a bad person at all. And you know, and I felt at one with myself and when i came back from that near-death experience Mm -hmm. i was determined to hang on to that and not lose it it was very tough because um you know i I, once i was back out in the world once i'd recovered i I was out of hospital and i was starting to walk through the streets again i got legal issues to deal with obviously because of what just happened and that's quite an arena that is is pretty sort of like (laughs) not too it's tough you know it's a tough one to go straight into but I was helped because, um, you know, the, the, they sent the psychiatrist to see me after what had happened in the hospital. So I did have some therapy as well. So that helped me kind of like talk about my past and it helped me put things into place. But, but most certainly the two together, the, the you know, the science of, of, of it all, uh, as I say, and then the near death experience itself. Let, yeah, let me totally back.
0: back So uh, let's get back to your near death experience. You're in this state of bliss. What pulled you back into physical reality?
1: um it was pretty much after I, uh, i'd really seen the the tunnel of light and then i'd, I'd made the conclusion or i'd, I'd heard telep- with through telepathy that i was looking at god that i'd found god that's when they sent me back you know um it was just like i came crashing straight in my bo- into my body i was back in the hospital and all the pain came rushing through oh. me and it was just like and i remember going from that beautiful light into light. Like through Fluorescent strip was just like screaming into my eyes, and the noise was just like overload. I was like, "Wow, get me, get me back!" You know. But um, a lot of you people say, oh, "Are you
0: coming back, though, David? Did you?" You've what? Sorry. You didn't have a choice to come back. It just happened. No,
1: no, I didn't have a choice. No, they they decided uh, that that I'd, I'd I'd learned what I needed to learn, and they sent me back uh, at that point. And what I have discovered is that. Uh, Uh, they've I've continued to work with them you know they've continued to to work with me here on the earth plane so it's not like I just had the near-death experience and that was that
0: so I'm going to break this next question into two parts we're going to talk about your um uh newfound abilities a little bit later into the show what psychic gifts did you uh retain when you came back from your near-death experience
1: um well basically would that to to, be, to stay in touch to stay, sorry to stay in touch with my guides was was uh, was one of them the, the the three guides that were there that were healing me um I've, I've i kept that connection with them that's what i learned and that's really important to me because uh, I, I turn to them all the time you know on a daily basis i go to spiritual healing And that's great. I really connect. I feel like that's the closest I come to being back in that wonderful space. And I feel the energy coming through from, from that, that realm. When I'm being, Do you have to
0: meditate to get there? Do you astral project? Does this come to you in dreams?
1: um no well no not really this is this this comes to me basically as i say you know I, there, there are there are times throughout the day where i might get signs and, and and i'll know that they are there and that they are behind me and they're giving me information to help me um but uh m- most formally as i say it's spiritual healing which is quite a meditative state because i go straight into into that and interestingly enough the spiritual healers every single one that does heal me always turns around afterwards and they say oh i really enjoy healing you because you just soak up the energy it's just like it just comes straight through me and then into you and it's really powerful every time so so there's that i know that that connection is still there i feel it's like having an umbilical cord attached to that other realm and it's still with me
0: well you know to look at your picture i mean you look fantastic uh do you have a lot of limitations with your arm um, yes, I do. Yeah,
1: there's. Yeah, I, yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's lovely. Uh, I, I do have limitations with my arm. I mean, they, they. It took three eight and a half hour operations on all in all to save it. They did an amazing job, and it doesn't. It's not fully functional, but I've got it, which I'm really grateful for. Um, you know, I mean, I will say that it's, it's. Uh, you know, it's not the whole of my body completely off kilter you know it's not you know i I've, i haven't got the same spring in my step as i used to have but it doesn't matter because i've got I've, another form of energy that i never had before which is, is which is being able to see the world as uh, more three-dimensional and uh you know and to really take it in and to appreciate the earth that we're on and, and nature that's all around us the gratitude that you
0: brought an express you know you brought back an express is just is very very moving so i want to get to the next part of uh your story you were not uh you had just a regular education uh and you came back with two new abilities one to paint and one to compose um can you please tell us about that because i think both are marvelous
1: thank you very much yeah well it, it was it's was quite a shock because up until then you know when, uh, the kind of work i was doing was manual labouring and that's all i could pick up at that point point. and i was never any good at that i used to look around at the other guys and think wow they you know you've just plastered that ceiling beautifully how did you do that it's a work of art you know and i could never fit in in there but then all of a sudden i discovered well, it was right from the day one, actually. When I come around from, from the anesthetic of the first time of the operation, I remember lying in this dark, not dark, room a hospital room, you know, throughout the night that they'd given me. And, and I was just got this machine bleeping next to me. And uh, I just start thinking, what's just happened? That was amazing. I thought, I've got to tell the world about this because I knew nothing about near-death experiences. I thought I was, I was the only one that had happened to. And I thought, how am I going to tell people about this? And I thought, I'm going to do a painting. And it's got to be like a really big painting like a big renaissance style religious painting on and it's got to be a massive canvas and i'd never done anything like it but it didn't matter that was the plan and i followed it through i you know i, I got this canvas and um once i was well enough and able to start painting it i did and uh i remember i was there was a lot of you asked me what kind of uh, psychic gifts came after us not so much to that but but i would say that a lot of synchronicity started to happen in my life mm-hmm. which never happened before and you know th- people would come in that would, wanted to help me for example two friends of my sister said look we run a yoga pilates center and we've got a spare studio you can use for a week to start your first painting so i said great so i went there got to the end of the first week and obviously i wasn't finished and they said well you can stay we'll move you around it's so brilliant so i stayed for two years and i kept on painting and painting and doing more and uh, it's amazing because i was standing back and looking at these paintings going, wow this is incredible i can't believe i've just done that you know and i knew i was being helped i knew that there's the, the the other realm that i've been to was was giving me information like a crash course on how to paint put and bring colors to life, bring skin tones to life, and and be brave.
0: Oh my gosh! You know, I've seen your paintings, and they're just such an expression of of where you've been, and and they pull you into the moment. It's like you know, you gave us a snapshot into a near death experience. That had to be very gratifying to uh to get on canvas.
1: It was, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, it, it was uh, very therapeutic for me. To, to be dealing with this you know because uh you know i it was i was i was being guided you know to, to to what what i call channeling i channel ideas through that's why when i talked earlier about still being in touch with my guides i know that they help me to create create these paintings you know the stuff that goes on there that i wasn't even thinking about you know uh, putting on, I don't, I never think it through, I never intellectualize it, it just happens I and mean, I allow the colors just to come right out there. And um, yeah, it's brilliant for me because I feel, yeah, that's it, that's what I saw, that's what I felt. And it's a brilliant way of, you know, other people to be able to not just hear what me talking about it, but to be able to look and see it almost like having like I'd taken a camera with me and saying, this is what I saw, you know.
0: Well, and that free flow of creativity. Um, where can people buy your art and see your art?
1: Um, They can go to my website uh, or my Instagram page. So my my website is, is shineonthestory.com. And if you go on there, there's paintings there and uh, everything's on there. And the the music is on there as well. You can stream um, for free the the first symphony that I wrote, which which came along next.
0: Well, you know, talk about a conundrum or a enigma. You our person that i guess could not read music but you wrote a a complete symphony and it was performed and you got a standing ovation please take us down through that journey after your near-death experience sure
1: yeah well um that that happened basically i was as i say i started going for spiritual healing and i discovered the spiritualist church by chance anyhow and they they offered me they saw how bad i looked at the time you know and they said we can do spiritual healing if you like i said yeah that'd be fantastic so I, when i was having those sessions some of the healers were clairvoyants and they give little messages afterwards because they're feeling all this energy coming through and and they said so, um, and they kept saying why am i seeing a violin placed across your chest or why am i hearing wagner and beethoven and i said i have no idea you know this didn't enter my life at that point and then one of them said that telling me you're going to write a piece of music about your experience and I went, okay so i thought i'm going to do that i'm going to follow it through so I, I i just got this old synthesizer that was up in the in the in the loft and i got that down and uh, i was playing around on that and the, one day that i heard these um notes they came through in a dream form actually the night before and i just i remembered them i thought right just record that I, all i got was a cassette recorder and i just recorded it into the cassette recorder and then i just developed it from there and i thought this just sounded lovely this is like the painting i'm going wow this isn't just me that's, that's writing this this is i'm getting help it's, and it sounds beautiful to me well i've uh, listened
0: to it i've listened to it that uh your orchestra pieces are just fantastic it's such beautiful music And it sort of like took me away from all my troubles.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. That's really brilliant to hear. That's that's what I wanted to do. I want, I wanted to transport people. Um, because that's what the whole experience was about. And so I, I wanted to convey that in the music. I wanted people to come on the journey that I went through.
0: Do you feel more grounded in the afterlife now? Because it's not a belief, it's a known. Does it take a lot of the stress and worry? away from, you know, all the wondering most people go through, like, yeah, gosh, what happens when I'm dead? You know? Yeah,
1: oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't fear death at all. I don't see it has been you know it's it's not the end you know it's just the beginning of of the next part of the journey you know the soul is just too much of a powerful entity just to suddenly switch off like a light but yes the body does but but not the soul the soul continues on and i've and i've seen where it goes and it's and it's it's beautiful it's an amazing place you know so i don't fear it so i mean i do say one thing that we don't discuss it enough in western civilization since the days of the bubonic plague we don't talk about death i'm not saying we should do all the time, but I think everything else we plan, we plan birth, marriage, even taking our driving test, you know, but we don't plan um our death. And I think we all should think about it because it's and then it takes away that element of fear, then doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I think we're all kind of you know fear-based mammals, <laughs> shall we yeah. say? But you know, I think one of the nice things about you is that you know, you're a regular guy and you it had this miraculous experience and you were so willing to share it with people. I think you're braver than I because my near-death experience was 1979. I was a 19-year-old kid. I didn't handle it well. There was nobody to talk to. I, did, I even went to a therapist um, who asked me if I was having a, a pity party because of my injuries. And I talked oh. to the emergency room guy And you know, he asked me what drugs. I think that Western society shames people that ask questions about death that are not in the biblical contents of our religions. Do you agree?
1: I do agree with that, yeah. I mean, you know, at first I came across a few people that I tried to tell that I thought would get it and I could see they didn't, you know. I remember there was a there was a priest or what have you that worked in the hospital. So I was desperate to talk to him. And when I did, he was a lovely guy, but I thought no you're not this 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 jars with all the gears with all your teachings you're not thinking taking me seriously at all (laughs) so it was disappointing your
0: relationship with your mother
1: well basically that was interesting because um you know my parents uh, are christian and so they always went to church every week in fact they when i was a kid i used to go as well and i just didn't like it i didn't get it and i and they said that they were very liberal they said it's okay you can stay at home so I did do so I was I uh, it took me a good week um, to tell them because I didn't want I wanted them to get it you know and I thought it, just like the vicar the priest that it, it, it would jar but when they sat down in the hospital and I talked through the whole thing because I said I've got something really important to tell you and I told the whole story and my mother turned around it was amazing she said we know and I said you know how do you know and it's like a, a mother's instinct she yeah. said well whenever we come in to see you you're wired up and with the tubes coming out of you, you, can, you can't you can move, but you're just glowing and you've got this energy of warmth and, and love coming from you that you seem to radiate uh, to everyone who walks through the door. And I really did feel that at that point. Cause like I say, I felt like I was still attached to the other side. So, yeah. so they, they got it, um, which is lovely. I mean, you know, I, I, I did talk to them, you know, I interviewed them actually for my book afterwards and to ask them what, they th- what their feelings were at the time. So in the back of my book, you know, you can see like a little little, you know, a little snippet of, of their thoughts, their take on it, which is really lovely actually. Yeah.
0: What, what, David, what are the three things that the reader can take out of your book, Shine On? What are the three top things that they will get that are um, from your experience? Okay
1: well they'll they'll see they'll go through a journey they'll it starts off they'll see just uh what kind of guy i was you know that i, I was a regular guy but not just that that i that i was that i got no self-belief or no self-faith not even in in forming a relationship and stuff and um and i go from that to uh, as you pointed out, starting to, to, to paint and then to write in symphonies. And then the first symphony I wrote was like a sellout concert, you know, which is incredible and to a stunning ovation. And it was just the BBC came down to interview me and everybody seemed to really get it. And for the first time in my life, I thought, you know, this is it. I found my direction. So, so it's, it's a, it's a feel good story in in a sense, because it takes you on that journey of of, of the guy I was when I first started out to, to my life becoming a lot more grounded and three-dimensional. Now, the other thing to take from it is I want people to really enjoy, uh, hopefully, the journey of, of me going into the afterlife and, and the spiritual journey and, and how that it, it, uh, developed and, and continued in my life. And, of course, the third one to take is, is to try and have, a, have an understanding on, on that, that fear of death and to take away from it, as a lot of people have been turning around to me, they've said that it's answered answered a lot of questions for them that they hadn't really thought about properly, and now they are thinking about it.
0: Well, that's very meaningful. This book is an important book. Where can people find your book?
1: Um, uh, on Amazon, basically, it's it's you know, it's for sale on throughout the world on Amazon. So if you just go in and put in Shine on and my name David Ditchfield, it'll, it'll come up and you can order it.
0: Do you have any future speaking engagements after the COVID crisis is over?
1: Nothing's booked at the moment. No, at the moment, it's just all, all, uh, you know, online zoom and Skype, which has been great. It's just been fine. You know, it's just, uh, I've, I've had the, the busiest, <laughs> um, period throughout the whole pandemic, which, is, which has been a lovely way of connecting with people. So, yeah. But, so uh, you
0: have an increased intuition for after your near-death experience?
1: Yes, almost certainly I do. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. i feel much more of a of a um, a sense of being closer to the earth and realizing that, that the earth itself is 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 a living, beating heart. You know, and that we're part of it. And and uh, you know, I, I noticed that animals. We're not even though we're part of the animal kingdom, our egos have, have kind of taken over, and we've gone beyond it, and we think that we could live beyond that and animals don't all animals live off their instincts and I feel like I'm closer to them and closer to, to Mother nature and so my instincts are, help me an awful lot and hopefully help other people too um yeah so what
0: is the most Don, uh what is the most interesting feedback that you've gotten from your book from a reader
1: oh There's been, do you know what, there's been so many, I've been really touched and and, uh, opened up to to the different takes that people have got, you know, because so many people have got, I've been, what's been lovely is, is um, that people who have lost loved ones, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's been some really heartbreaking stories, you know, mothers who've lost their sons, Uh, in fact, I had one only recently from from a mother who'd lost her son, you know, to uh, addiction and what have you so it was a big one for her to deal with and then to be able to talk to them and for them to turn around and say they feel a lot better now a lot more faith in, in that they're knowing in, in this particular case she said that she feels happier knowing that her son is in has gone to a beautiful realm you know because she was told funny enough and um, you know that um well you know uh he you know that her son may not be have gone to that anyway i shouldn't really talk about it, actually this it's private isn't it it's kind of personal and
0: private
1: yes it's a personal thing but but anyway but yeah so it's 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 lovely it was a, it was a lovely conversation we had so things like that are, are the most important ones to me but also <laughs>
0: helping people
1: it's i'm helping people but also i i've been having lectures i got had a lecturer from tokyo from the university of tokyo get in touch with me last week and he said that he's doing studies into into the afterlife and how different faiths are dealing with it and he read my read my interviews some stud and saw me talk and saw my paintings had my music so he wants to you know involve my story in that which is great that's like that's brilliant to know that that students are going to take something back from me you know i think your
0: one of your purposes must be to come back and share and you know I, i and this show i do i do not have a religious agenda i have uh the goal to open up people to the potential of spirituality which i think is so important uh david what do you question now what is your biggest question about the afterlife or do you feel satisfied that you know it will unfold how it should be when you die
1: yeah i feel satisfied that it will unfold as as it should be um i lost my mother last year and um and obviously you know thank you I, and obviously i went through the physical and emotional loss of the mother that brought me up and, and that i loved dearly but when she went that I knew that where she was going and I actually said it to her when I, when I went into the hospital after she passed, I said, mom, you're going to love it now where you're going. <laughs> and she will. And, uh, and yeah. it was just, um, it was lovely to have that knowledge and to have that faith that my, the first person that I'd lost, that was, that was dear to me was, was going to be well looked after. Well so, it's you know,
0: reassuring to her because, you know, she's hearing from someone she loves and trusts and that knows. So, um yeah. that's great now i want to get into one other thing before we close this show have you seen people after they've died have seen not ghosts but i'm talking about souls um have you seen orbs have you had a real awake contact with the departed
1: no i'm not i'm not clairvoyant That's that's for sure um i'm just very aware of the presence of um of for example my mother i'm very aware of her presence and i can i can feel her here and i get little signals that i know that she's here and she's helping me you know um especially in times of stress when i'm getting stressed out about something you know uh i I know she's there Um, do you
0: think that people that have had a near-death experience in return do you think they come back with a variety on different levels of uh psychic abilities or creativity or they just bring a little bit back from the experience of something special
1: oh i think everybody brings something back yeah i mean not they do a lot of people that i've met um like yourself want to want to talk about it and wanted want to, to bring uh podcasts with, with the message taking it out to the world that seems to, that's the common denominator that we want to spread the word we want to talk to the world and, and get it out there and chat about it and you know in my case it, it just happened to be that i felt that my creative outlets were, were were the way of getting it across but now in the spoken word it's, it's great because now since my music and uh came out and then I, I was doing interviews and now with the book coming out i'm doing interviews so it means that i'm talking about it as well with the spoken word and so yeah so i just feel that everybody brings that back that they that there's a common denominator there's that that knowing that the, of, that, the, the, that there's love waiting for us all
0: i think that's that's just absolutely remarkable well you know, your book Shine On that can be found on Amazon is just a must-listen book, a must-read book. So I'm going to end the show, um, David. Now, can you tell um, everyone what your website is?
1: Yeah, sure. It's, so it's www. So then it's ShineOnTheStory.com. So yeah, ShineOnTheStory.com. <laughs> so that's the place to go.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for being on Near Death TV. I'm your host, Laura Ketchledge, and I'll be back shortly with another show. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, David, are you still there? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Is that okay? Yeah. Yes, very good. Thank you for listening. The Near Death Saga books, Near Death Connection, Throwaway Horses, and Reincarnation Connection can all be found on Amazon. Or you can go to TheNearDeathSaga.com to read book previews. For more Near Death TV interviews, go to NearDeathTV.com. Thank you.